Yes, lads, what is going on? And welcome to Season 3, Episode 29 of The Running Irishman. In this episode, we are joined by Finley Daily. But before we get into everything to do with Finley and this episode of the podcast, I just want to say that um i apologize really for not uploading an episode of the podcast last thursday if you follow me over on the run Irish from the official instagram link down in the description and in the show notes below and um, to keep up to date with everything that gets done on behind the scenes and exclusive posts and whatnot you will know um that i was away last weekend so i was not able to i, I wasn't away last weekend i went from thursday to sunday and obviously the episode goes up on a thursday um, but I didn't want to, the time that the episode should go live, I was actually in the car, so I wouldn't have been able to post it, I wouldn't have been able to kind of promote it and, you know, share it around and whatnot, so I decided, uh, I contacted Finley and everything, told him what the story was when the episode is going to go live, and he was perfect with it, so yeah, just, for anyone that doesn't follow me over on Instagram, I just kind of wanted to clear that up on why I didn't, why I didn't upload an episode of the podcast last Thursday, so that's the reason why. But to get into this episode, yes, we are joined by Finley Daly, who is the who came second in the Steeplechase Senior National Championships in Ireland this year. He ran a sub nine to then go on to qualify for the under twenty three European Championships. He is currently studying and running in the University of Galway, and overall is a really really sound lad. We have a really good chat for about his entire career the ups and downs and uh, and especially about the under 23 european championships and where he wants to see his career to go in the future um so yeah that's it for this episode no sponsor to talk about for this episode um probably when the next episode things kind of happening behind the scenes i'll keep you all up to date on so yeah i hope you all enjoy this episode of podcast and roll the intro boy yes lad what is going on my name is amy o'donoghue people call me dr josh <laughs> my name's lewis o'loughlin my name is is I'm Charlie O'Donovan. I'm Abdullah Joe. I'm Scott Fagan. I'm Mark Henry. My name's Cormac Dalton. I'm Paul Byrne. I'm Mike Morgan. More than a runner. The Irish Hammer. My name's Brennan. I'm Brian Bay. It's Dash Bar. I am a triathlete. Craig Engels. Cheryl Nolan. Sean Dunham. John Rankin. We got 10th at the World Championships in 2019 in Doha. I'm doing great. Just happy to be on the podcast. I'm a Man, I'm a man United fan. Let's get into this episode of the podcast. Yes, lads, so we are here with Finley Daily. Finley, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on the podcast. Obviously, this episode was meant to be recorded a few days ago, but, you know, stuff happens and uh, we're here now today. So, uh, yeah, do you want to kind of just take it away, introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Um, my name is Finley Daly. I'm 21 years old and I'm an athlete based out of uh, NUIG. I'm originally from Sligo and um, my events are... Anything from fifteen hundred up to five k, but uh, the steeplechase is where I found my my happy hunting ground. Perfect, perfect. That gives us a lot to build off from. So, um, kind of just to start uh, at the very beginning, so people can get an idea of you know who you are on in terms of sport and running. Like, were you, were you always into the running, or were there other sports in in your early days? Uh, I mean, originally I was playing um, uh, Gaelic football up here in Sligo, uh, and everyone would have done a bit of, a bit of cross country in primary school. But uh, it really wasn't until I got to secondary school and we started doing fitness tests, and they started sending cross country teams for for a day off school that um, I kind of got involved in that. And um, but even then, that was just you know running once a week with a PE teacher for the first year, um, and then after making it to the All Irelands in my first year at uh, the All Ireland schools cross country, it kind of became something where my PE teacher said, "Look, you should probably go and." go and find a coach. So I ended up down in Sligo AC, uh, training with Alan Cairns, 
And uh, yeah, the rest is history, as I say. Deadly. It's a, it's definitely a very common team within the Irish athletes anyway, even from myself and a lot of the lads on my team, you know, kind of doing the bleep testing school. And then there's yeah. one there's one athlete or there's one student who's, you know, you know, beating everyone and, and kind of kind of nearly enjoying it more than all your students. And then the PE teacher kind of recommends you to go down and and join the club. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a very again, it's quite quite an Irish trend I've seen definitely on the podcast. But it can, it leads to it leads to really good things. So uh, yeah, that's that's good to hear. And as well with you know the you know playing Gaelic in the early days as well. Um, like me and a lot of other athletes do the same because that's kind of what you're put into at the early age living up uh, living over here in Ireland so uh, you know it's it's definitely good to hear that you know you're able to to broaden your horizons from a young age because you always see people that are you know flat out from a young age and then they kind of get burnt out so um no that's that's really good to see and it's definitely definitely paid off to to this day so um as as you mentioned there you know you, you, when when we were texting over on Instagram before before we started you know you mentioned that you you didn't have the greatest success as a junior athlete, but kind of when when you started off and got to your first All Ireland's, uh, you know, in your first year, did you kind of start seeing any any early success, or was it was it kind of just a gradual growth? Um, I mean, if I look at my first year, um, when I was in the first year of secondary school, um, like even making it to the, the All Ireland's was like for me that that was huge. Definitely, um, yeah. I'd come like barely inside the top ten at the North Connacht's. I think I got exactly the same result then at the Connacht's. And I was kind of just riding the wave, seeing how far I could go. Um, and then I think, if I remember properly, I was 24th or something, which that was kind of a, a kind of signs went off my head thinking, you know, if I train properly here, you know, I could kind of be okay. Um, and the competitor in me saw people beating me by, you know, quite a big distance. I wasn't too happy about yeah. that. So, um, but even like I came, I think the following year I came back and I came 18th, which was a big jump, but that was probably... I know they've did the Syabs cross country and they send at the top eight or top 12 or something yeah. like that. And, you know, that 18th place was the closest that I got to an Irish team at underage when I was 14 or 15. So, you know, um, I probably went backwards then for a year or two. Like I think I came mid thirties in my first year of intermediate and then I ended up coming about 50th in my second year of intermediate. So, um, I was trying harder each year, but I was just going backwards for some reason. Um, but I kind of, it made me hungry and hungry and hungrier. Um, and that meant that, you know, when I did come to university um, and started training with Matt Lockett, you know, I was pretty raw, but I was a lot hungrier than I think a lot of other people who who had some success when they were younger. Yeah, definitely. And it's 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 refreshing kind of to see as well, because even from people I've spoken to, people I've had on the podcast and whatnot, you know, these are people that in their first year are winning national titles and then they go off and, and you know, start going just like yourself, going to Europeans and, you know, you Olympics and whatnot. But it's, it's refreshing to hear someone like yourself who maybe didn't have kind of that early, maybe not natural talent, but that early day success. Um, where they're you know winning races left, right, and center, but still end up getting to you know represent their country like you have this year as well. Um, in the under twenty three Europeans and winning silver medals in the nationals. So would you say that kind of sums you up in terms of your early days of running, or would you say kind of you had more success than you know you you say you actually do? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of look back on it now, and you know. I won a couple of Connacht titles um, in for school and club uh, in cross country and on the track. But whenever I would come to an All Ireland, um, I was always coming, you know, on the track. I think um, Steve Macklin put up a post the other day. There was there was three of us on the Irish team: uh, Mihal Power, Dave McGlynn, and myself. 
and we were in the All-Ireland in 2015 and I think I came 10th or 11th in that and he kind of put that up just to show that you know it's not always the people coming first and second who end up making it when they're older but you know I was doing okay at provincial level but whenever I got to the All-Irelands I was just scrapping to try and either not get lapped or you know to come inside the top 30 in the cross country you know so um, yeah there was probably one or two good runs in there that showed I had potential but the results just weren't there when I was younger. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, that that is refreshing to hear in terms of the success you've been having. You've been having lately and kind of in your in your senior career. Um, you know, even though you were mentioned there, you know, maybe that you weren't winning all Ireland's, you know, at a young age, but when did you actually get to pick up your first Irish vest and kind of what what was that experience like for you? So the first chance I had uh, was I when I in my first year of university, uh, actually in my first steeplechase race, um, I came second in the Irish Universities Championships and qualified for the the international match against Scotland. Which you know the only way I can describe it is it's basically the Siabs but without England and Wales. Yeah. So the Irish Universities uh, board take the top two runners in every event and they bring them either to Scotland or they bring them to Dublin. I think they they swap it every year. And uh, it's basically a mini international like that. And so that was my first Irish vest, which meant the world to me at the time. You know, um, this was something I'd look forward to, you know, since I started running when I was 13. So um, although it wasn't the biggest stage for me, this was, you know, a vest that I still have to this day and definitely won't be swapping for anything. Um, but yeah, that was the first one. Definitely, definitely. No, no matter what kind of, even getting the gear in the first place is definitely a, a, an added bonus because, um, no, even, you know, for the experience on, on more of an international stage than you ever have run before that it's, um, it's always really, really good to do. And even if you're getting like picked for the top two in the event in the country, you know, that even just kind of gives you that confidence and shows that if you stick at it in the future, even bigger things will come. So kind of no matter way, no matter what way or what race you get your Irish Fest in, once, once you, you kind of get one, it, it feels good but then did you kind of feel when that happened it gave you more confidence more momentum to go on pick up more Irish vests and even do better in races yeah for sure um like even I remember when we were leaving this was over in uh, it was over in Glasgow and as we were getting on the bus to come back um I remember thinking to myself that you know this was not going to be the last time this wasn't going to be oh I made one team and you know, all of a sudden you fall backwards and backwards again. You know, I was determined to make sure that, you know, I'd be sitting on a bus at the European Championships, for example, in a few years. And um, that was funny then when I actually made the championships this year. That was a real kind of, okay, that was three years ago that I said that. And I'm finally back at an international overseas again, you know, which was a nice, yeah. um, you know, a nice, uh, I was determined to make sure it wasn't the last one. So when, when that worked out, it was, it was pretty nice. And how did that race go when you picked up your first Irish vest? Yeah, I was happy enough to win it. Um, there was myself and my actual training partner at the time, uh, Talon Thompson from the States. He was in NUIG and the two of us went over and uh, luckily for us, we were better than the two Scottish lads. So there I managed you. to take home the, the gold medal in that one. Re that's, that's really, really cool. And that as well, kind of being able to prove it on, again, more of an international stage than you ever have run. And before that race, must have been a real confidence booster for you. It was huge. Um, you know, like for me, it was something that it, it was more like I could relax a bit more because, you know, you stress for years and, you know, psyabs go by and all that kind of stuff goes by and you kind of start looking ahead and you, like a little party was thinking, I haven't made one so far. So when will I make one or will I make one at all? True. So just to get that first kit out of the way and be like, OK, I've made it once. 
So now the pressure's off and I can kind of relax and chase other teams and do whatever. But um, it was very nice to get that first one out of the way. Definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you're now running in NUAG in Galway. Kind of was was that always was that always a goal? Was ever a scholarship to go abroad or even a a, a scholarship win Ireland ever on the cards? Uh, no. So I had zero offers to go anywhere, um, which kind of simplified things a bit. Yeah. Um, and like since I was younger, I always wanted to go to NUIG and it was kind of a case of picking which course I was going to do. Um, even before I'd even started athletics, you know, I wanted to go to Galway. So um, I remember I'd, I'd met the coach, uh, Matt Lockett, at some of the Connacht underage camps, the, the performance camps um, when I was younger. And then I remember it was at the, the Greystones IMC. I saw that he had NUIG athletics on the back of his jacket. And I thought, yeah, this this could be onto a winner here. So I let him know that I was going to come to NUIG and, you know, he, he started coaching me then. So it's it's a place I would definitely say that, you know, if someone is coming out of believing certain they don't have an offer to go somewhere or even if they do, it's it's a great place to go. Um, there's a really good team environment and, you know, the training setup's really good. And um, I think we've a, a better team spirit than a lot of the other colleges do in Ireland. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And did you kind of feel the training start intensifying a little bit and you start becoming a, a stronger, you know, fair athlete overall when, when you started uh, running in college? Oh, definitely. Um, but I think the important thing was that, you know, we started training harder and the intensity went up, but it was all done in a gradual way. There was no sudden shock to the system because if you take someone who's pretty undercooked like I was and throw everything at them, you know, it's only going to go one way. So, um, and I think that's something where Matt's approach was really good because, you know, it kind of didn't matter what anyone else in the team was doing. He was taking each athlete individual and say, you know, you're doing this many reps or that many sets or whatever. And kind of just making sure that people made it to summer healthy because, you know, you can throw all the training in the world at someone, but if it's three times as much as they've done beforehand, it's it's going to end in tears. So, um, yeah, definitely got stronger. Training went up, but it was done in a, in a very controlled way. Definitely, definitely. No, that's that's really good to hear. And uh, obviously, then it started. It started. It started showing in your races. And obviously, this year, um, even still being an under twenty three athlete, you picked up silver in the national senior. So, kind of, how was that for you? Do you want to kind of talk about, you know, how you were, what what you were thinking, what your mindset was before the race, and and you know, were you were you expecting to be top three, and kind of, how did the race go for you? Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, a huge breakthrough for me, getting the first senior medal. Um, and I knew it was my last opportunity to get the qualifying standard for for the European Championships in Estonia. So um, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, in a way, wherever I finish is a bonus, as long as I get the time. So if that meant I had to take it out at the front or sit into a pack that was going at nine minutes, you know, my, my main focus was getting under nine minutes to, to get the qualifying standard. And um, I remember warming up and, you know, you're kind of stressing about chasing a time or whatever. And I told myself, look, more than likely with the likes of Brian Fay, Jamie Roster, Liam Harris, you know, Rory Chester, those type of runners. If I come top three, I'm probably going to run under nine minutes. Um, and then, you know, Brian Fay is a class athlete. He took it out at the front and went um, quite a bit quicker than nine minute pace the first case. So I sat off that. But um, I led the second pack from, I'd say, 50 meters into the race until we crossed the line. Um, and I started clock watching then and like I saw with I think it was a K to go or something um, Brian fell at the front uh, and I thought for a split second I could catch him but you know with what he's been running this season I wasn't able to get near him but you know getting the standard getting the silver medal you know all that in the one day was, was pretty special for me Definitely, definitely. And, you know, have you had, you know, leading up to, to this national seniors, you know, kind of at a younger age, had you had much success on the national stage, picking up a few medals here and there? No, um, I actually didn't get my first uh, All-Ireland medal of any kind until 
I was in first year of university at the university championships. So, you know, going from never getting an underage medal, um, I think, yeah, the universities was the first one. And then in the under 20s, um, I won the steeplechase, which was like, I think, two months after my first Irish appearance. So to come through that and end up getting a senior medal when I'm still under 23 is is, is pretty nice. So kind of, could you say your your running career really just kicked off since since you started college? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Like, I'm a completely different athlete to what I was uh, before I moved down to Galway. So I think a lot of that is due to the setup we have down there and, and the coaching. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, when you were talking about the race, uh, the national race there, you mentioned that it was, you knew it was your last opportunity to get the standards for um, for under 23 Europeans. And that's because two weeks previous, uh, you were going for sub nine in Birmingham and uh, ended up falling with two laps to go. So do you want to kind of just talk us through that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I often joke with the boys in Galway that I'm trying to emulate Evan Jager, but <laughs> falling in a big race and missing out on breaking a time barrier was uh, was not the way I wanted to do that. Oh. But um, yeah, I, I flew to Birmingham uh, the first week of June and I knew that was going to be my, my best chance to get uh, under nine minutes for to, to qualify for Europeans and was ahead of pace, was feeling good, warm day, no wind. Um, Jamie Roster was in front of me, Liam Harris was behind me um working away and all of a sudden bang my trail leg clipped the hurdle with about uh 900 meters to go and went down hard it happened so quickly next thing you're looking at the sky um yeah picked myself up and i remember i got to the clock with two laps to go i thought i i i, I can still do this i think i was only a second out um i lost five or six seconds in the fall easily um and started losing time then but managed to get back on it and I closed in a 68 and I ran nine flat 0.03 uh, so to say I was gutted is probably a bit of an understatement yeah. um you know that was the big one that was the you know you think about national seniors you you might get it but all of a sudden if it's a windy rainy day in Dublin you're you're in trouble so knowing I was that close on the perfect day perfect weather was you know is gut-wrenching um but you know thankfully it, it, I mean I can look back on it and laugh now because I got the time two weeks later but I think if I hadn't have gotten it that would have been something that, that would have haunted me for a long time yeah 100% and even you know that's zero that's 0 0.3 of a second you know is there no is there no kind of leniency there at all um, in terms of European standard or is it you either hit the time or you don't I mean you know that was something that I never wanted to have to worry about True, um, yeah. but I'd, I definitely asked my coach you know Matt I said you know, is there any chance they would still select me? And, you know, his his attitude, which I liked a lot, was, look, take it, you know, take it out of the selector's hands. Get the standard yourself. And, you know, that you still have to get selected. But he said, look, you have one more chance at seniors to not have to worry about that. So um, I kind of put that out of my head as much as I could and say that, you know, if I need to worry about 0 0.03, if I don't get it at seniors, then we'll see. You know, you, you might have a chance to get selected. But, you know, I still had one chance to, to tick the box myself. So that was what I was trying to focus on. Definitely. And, you know, the fact that you were only 0 0.3 out, um, you know, in Birmingham and the fact that it wasn't a case of you were all out and it was a smooth race and you had a strong kick at the end. It was the fact that you fell and still were only 0 0.3 of a second out. So maybe if it, if worse came to worse, do you think maybe the selectors would have still selected you or do you kind of just not want to think about that and happy that you didn't have to think about that in the first place? I mean, um, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if anyone got selected who, who who didn't get a standard. But, you know, what I was thinking of it was, you know, I probably wouldn't because, 
you know, it's the same as a high jumper missing it by a centimetre or a long jumper missing it by a centimetre. So, you know, they have to have a line somewhere. Um, it's something that, you know, I was getting on the plane to come home and you haven't qualified, but you feel like you're a good enough athlete to have been selected. So I was traveling home with a nine flat PB when I felt like I was much, much quicker than that, which that was the hardest thing to process was if I didn't qualify, it wasn't because I wasn't fit enough. It was because I tripped and fell, Yeah, you know, definitely. but thankfully that's something that um, won't haunt me now that I took care of business. True, true. Um, uh, and and then, you know, in, in the nationals, what did you end up on like a 854? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure 854. Yeah, 856 in the end. 856. Um, so yeah, was on pace with a lap to go and pulled out another 68, which is starting to become a bit of a routine for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, went a bit crazy when I crossed the line then and saw that saw that I got in the time. So yeah. And is that a personal best for you? Oh, huge! Um, like when I made that first Irish vest I got in first year, I ran 939, and then in second year, I don't I don't think I went under 944, 945. And then there was no steeplechases in third year because of COVID that, that I did. Um, so even with a fall to come out and run nine flat was still a 39 second PB. And then to go under nine again was still, you know, if you think this is my last year of under 23s now, in my first year of under 23s two years ago, I was about 45 seconds off the standard with the season's best. So, True. you know, it's, it's a small bit of a jump. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then um, obviously you, you cross that line knowing... You, you know, you got second place in nationals and then also they hit the standard kind of. What was going through your head at the time? You know, obviously, you know, when people win, usually it's like, oh my God, I've gotten second in nationals. But then for you, it was like, you know, oh my God, I, I, I've hit the, the European standard. So what what was what was kind of the, the biggest thing out of that race? Um, Probably stress during it. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you're, you're checking the clock every lap. And- yeah. You know, like the plan was to get a few seconds up and, you know, see, could I not make it comfortable, but could I start running 71s instead of 72s? But I think I was two seconds up through a K and I was never further up than that. Um, and even like I came around and I was I was bang on pace. And, like I needed a 72 last lap and it was pretty windy. I was pretty tired. Um, but I just told myself, look, you have one lap to make up for what happened in Birmingham. So, the, you know, the flight home, you're thinking about it, all that kind of stuff. You've one lap to put that right. So, you know, I remember Matt, my coach, was at the 300 meter to go mark kind of around there. And um, I think he started yelling, you have to go. And then someone who I don't know who they are was at the 200 to go mark. And I think they said I needed a 37 or something. So I knew I'd made up enough time in the 200 to wear. Unless I fell, I was probably okay. But, you know, having fallen two weeks before, I I definitely was still probably more stressed at that point because then I felt like I had it to lose. Um, But no, took the last two, two barriers pretty well. And. You know, I remember uh, Brian crossed the line in eight low eight fifties, and I remember counting in my head, and I thought I was fine. But when you're that tired, you don't even trust yourself to count. True, yeah. Um, but I had I had a feeling I was under it, but I wasn't letting myself get too happy until I actually got the got the okay from one of the officials. Deadly, deadly, and then kind of from then, with the I I seen around Instagram, you know, people putting up in their stories that they got selected. Were you confident then you'd get selected, or was it only until you got the you got the notice that you were selected for the under twenty trees is when you could actually relax? I mean, it, it's it's a weird feeling because you look at the selection criteria or process, you know, whatever the, the document is online, and you think I've ticked all the boxes here, but until you actually have the email, you're not selected. So, 
you know, while I was happy and I was like, oh, more than likely I'm going to European Championships, there's a voice in your back head going, just relax until you actually get the email. But like, I, I think I got told um, two days after I ran the race or maybe the evening after the race, like the, the following day, um, I, I got the emails and I got selected. So I, I, did, I didn't have too long to stress about it, but um, I kind of knew more than likely I'd be okay. So that was a... That was a nice email to get. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, that's that's uh, that's really cool. So, kind of moving on then into the European Under Twenty Threes. You know, we're you know heading over. Were you excited? Were you nervous? Kind of before before even you got there, before even the race started. Kind of what were you thinking? Was just was it just all excitement? Um. So the week there was a week from when I got selected until we flew out, and that was probably the longest week of my life. Um. You know, because I was trying not to go out unless it was for training or something because the last thing you want to do is to get a positive test just before you fly out or whatever um so i was here for a week in the house only leaving to train and whatever and you know every day was a week i couldn't wait to get going dying to get on the plane and um so the that that was that was tough enough but like when i was going over there it was a weird feeling of all the stress i had trying to qualify was now gone so now it was like anything i do over there is a bonus you know, a week ago, having not had the time, I wasn't going. So now that I actually qualified, you know, I was excited, but I, I was very, very relaxed. Um, and I was trying to just go over there and look, do the best I can, you know, have fun, enjoy it, but just learn as much as possible. Um, it was kind of like a free opportunity that, you know, I thought had been taken away for, for, for a few weeks after after the fall. But um, yeah, it was weird. I was far more nervous for nationals and for Birmingham than I was for for Europeans which which kind of made it easier to enjoy and probably probably easier to perform as well yeah definitely did you kind of have in the back of your head kind of just like I'm here I'm gonna use for experience that's maybe why you weren't as nervous or were you there with you know obviously everyone has the ambitions to win and really do well or were you kind of mainly just there you know it's my first first you know big international event kind of read just there for the experience or kind of what was your mindset like in the fact that you weren't as nervous before just say you know the, the race over in Birmingham or, or the Nationals the week before so my mindset going into it was I've qualified so I have nothing to lose now definitely I'm on the plane like I'm on the team so as soon as I got the heats and I was looking through who's in my race it was okay who can I beat um, I was ranked, there was 12 people in it and I was ranked ninth off that 856 and I think it was top four got through straight away. So you look at who's in your heat and you think, I can probably beat you, I might be able to beat you, but the goal was to make the final. Um, and if I didn't make it, you know, it happens. Yeah. But, you know, it was kind of a nice mindset to be in of, there's a lot of people slower than me here who've qualified. There's a lot of people quicker too, but I kind of have a free roll of the dice here. Um, so like I was trying to tell myself, look, don't let the occasion get to you. Don't you know, you, you belong to be here, you qualify, you have the same right to be here as everybody else, you know, so that there is no pressure. Just go out and get as many people as you can. Definitely. And kind of, you know, were due to COVID, like, were you there a day or two before, obviously, to, to get settled in one or are you kind of there on race day and then kind of have to get the boot and get out? So we flew on the Tuesday and I was racing on the Friday. So we got to the hotel in Estonia Tuesday evening and then I had Wednesday to kind of go to the training track and do whatever. And then I went to the stadium for the first time on the Thursday uh, to watch uh, Dave McGlynn and Matthew Neal in the 10K. Um, and even just meeting more of the Irish team and, and making friends and kind of just getting used to being away on a trip like that. Um, there was a lot of people who'd been to those things before. 
you know, whether it was under 18s or under 20s or cross country or whatever, but, you know, being the first time having to go places and not forget your accreditation or all that kind of stuff, you know, um, just trying to get used to it and know what it's going to be like. But I definitely preferred having a few days beforehand to, to get used to being there rather than flying in. There's a few people I know who'd rather fly in the day before race and fly out, but, um, kind of stretching as much as possible works works best for me yeah definitely I'd I'd kind of feel the same as you on that and that front and kind of you know when you got there on the Wednesday you got to the stadium you know you went to the warm-up area you got to the the warm-up track and all did it, did it kind of start to sink in then a little bit kind of like okay this is this is real this is really happening um or were you still kind of just there there to enjoy it and whatever happens happens um kind of a mix of both like before I went to the stadium I put on the live stream on my phone and I was watching it as if I was here at home watching it. Yeah. And then half an hour later, you're at the stadium looking at the cameras that were that were filming that, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. an hour before. So, but I was trying, it, it didn't seem too overwhelming because when you have qualified, you look around everyone in the warm-up area and you're going, everybody here had to chase a standard too. You know, they're, they're no different to me. None of these people turned up and straight away, oh, you know, you're on the team, whatever. Everybody here had to qualify. So there's nobody here that, you know, is above anybody else or there's no one, you know, everybody's stressed out. It's a European championships. So, you know, um, it was definitely a little bit nerve wracking the day of the race, but beforehand, you know, you're walking around and you're just trying to keep, keep a level held and treat it like any other race and, and, and not let it, uh, not let it get the better of you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Kind of just enjoy the experience for, for what it is. And then, you know, when, when the race comes around, then then you can start, you know, really focusing in and, and doing what you have to do. And kind of on that note of the race, kind of, you know, you, how, how did it go for you? You know, I don't want to I don't want to say anything because, you know, when you're racing, everything, everything is different for, for you. Even though if you're watching the live stream, you could you could see what happened kind of for you personally. I, I know even from when I'm racing, everything's different. What's going through your head and um, while you're racing. So kind of just just how was the whole racing experience? Yeah, it was good. Um, I came eighth in my heat. Top four went through, um, and I think I, don't, I think one fastest loser came from our heat. But um, yeah, so didn't get didn't manage to qualify, but I finished a place higher than I was ranked. So I didn't underperform, is the way I'm looking at it. Um, and you know, the first six, no, the first sorry, the first four or five laps um, was around nine minute pace, and I felt pretty comfortable. Um, and I was moving well. I was putting myself, you know, where I wanted to be. Um, and then with three laps to go, a guy from Finland dropped the hammer. And I think their last K for the people who qualified was around 250, which, you know, I have no shame in sitting here saying that's just something I can't do yet. It's something I will be able to do, but right now, you know, I just don't have the fitness for that. So when you don't qualify based off that, you know, you you can't be too hard on yourself. You have to sit there and say, look, I got fit enough to get here. I ran as hard as I could out there. You know, that's the standard I need to get to now, but right now it, it just isn't there. Um, but, you know, the main thing I took away from it was that, you know, when you see a time on a sheet or an entry list, you think, oh, th- that's quick, whatever. But when you actually see the fitness and the level these guys are at, it gives you something to think about and train towards. And you just see the level you have to get to if you're going to race these guys. Definitely, definitely. And it's good to hear that you're kind of coming away from it. Obviously, you know, you, you want to do as well as possible. But the fact that you're coming away from it thinking, you know, yeah, I'm not able to run that quick at the end of a race yet. But if I keep working and kind of, as you said, some people could 
it could be a drawback for them to be like, am I good enough to compete with these kind of guys on an international level? But you're thinking of it the complete opposite end of the scale. Like, you know what, maybe, yeah, right now I can't run that quick, but if I keep training, keep working soon enough by the next, the next European comes around, you know, you will be, you will be up there and you will be able to, you know, qualify for the final and, and really make a name for yourself. So that's a really good, you know, mindset to have. Yeah, like even John, I think John Fagan uh, was the physio who was actually with me over there as, you know, kind of helping me around the finish line and that kind of stuff. And I think the first thing I said to him when when I came off the track was, that's the standard. That's, you know, I'm not disappointed. I'm not deliriously happy, but that's the standard. It's there for everyone to see the gap. So it's up to me to close that gap now. Definitely, definitely. And obviously, you know, you go there to race and whatnot, but I know the few days after when you're, you know, with everyone on your team, you get to watch some other people race as well. You get to kind of explore around the city. Was was that like a really, really nice time for you as well to kind of just show that, you know, it's not everything is as serious as it makes it out to be and you can really enjoy yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, that was kind of like after competing on day two on the Friday and we don't leave till Monday, that kind of, I was able to relax and be like, okay, you go to the stadium and you just watch events and you cheer on the Irish athletes and you kind of, it's something you don't think about before you've qualified, but the team element is huge over there. So whenever someone was competing, whether it was in the long jump or whether it was in the 5K or whatever, you know, nearly 90% of the team was down there unless they were competing that the same day or whatever, they were down there and you're cheering them on. And even in the steeplechase, when I came around, you know, you hear all the Irish voices on the team and, and the familiar face and it does help. Um, but yeah, being able to go around and even just it kind of enjoy the atmosphere and soak it up and kind of keep telling yourself, you know, I'll be back here, I'll be back here, and kind of, you know, all that stuff was was really good. And you know, it it's it's fuel for the fire. It's it's what you're going to be thinking about all winter training. It's you know, you go there to race and you're kind of you don't let yourself relax too much and wander around the hotel or the track. You kind of you're saving energy, but once your season's over and you've taken care of of business, you can you can kind of wander around and soak it up a bit more. Definitely, kind of, kind of get into the holiday mode. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Not too much. Not too no, much. No, definitely not too much. But um, kind of just enough that that you can that you can enjoy yourself. So uh, yeah, no, you say you know this year especially kind of you know coming second in nationals, qualifying for uh European under twenty trees, and also running a, a huge PB in the fifteen hundred of a three fifty one. You know, you mentioned to me you know earlier today that you know this was kind of an overall breakthrough season for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, like, we've done some some group time trials uh, in Galway since Christmas, and, you know, um, they can kind of show you what shape you're in, but you never really know until you, you spike up and race. Um, so Belfast for me, was it was in the middle of, of my exams, um, and I went up with a few of the lads from Galway, and it was 10 days out from Birmingham. So I was treating it as, you know, if I run a good 1,500, you know, if when I come into a steeplechase, the pace should feel so much easier because you've had such a shock to the system 10 days before that, you know, the, the steeplechase pace should feel a lot more comfortable and um, put myself in a good spot. And I think I went out in 59 and then came through in 202, which, you know, I thought I was hearing things, but I just kept telling myself, sit in, sit in, sit in. Um, and it started to open up a bit. And then I think... Brian Kelly made a very, very big move. If anyone watches the race back with, with 200 to go, which I think if somebody had a motorbike, they still probably wouldn't have gotten near him. Um, but, you know, I managed to come third, ran 3.51, which was a six-second PB for me. And definitely, I remember when I was on the cool down, I said to 
Keith Fallon and Jack Miskela, two of my training partners, that this standard is on. Like nine minutes is, as long as I don't make a mistake, it it should be on. Definitely, definitely no wonder. Yeah, that, that must now kind of give you a big confidence, you know, even leading into cross-country, you know, when next track track season comes down. So will you be racing much, you know, leading into to cross-country and will you have any more races of this track season? So track season for me is done. Um, I'm on my, my off-season at the Lovely. minute. Um, but definitely cross-country is a big one. You know, there's a home European cross-country championships in Dublin um, and having never gotten near the under-20 team, or anything like that. And after making a European track one in the under twenty three, I'd like to think I've got a good chance of making this team. But you know, the this the standard is is incredible. And you know, there's there's probably fifteen guys that could make that team, but but only six can qualify. But um I'll definitely race as much cross country as I can and give myself the best chance of making that team. A hundred percent. And uh, no, I'd be definitely looking forward to it. fingers crossed if that goes ahead to go up and, and watch that open open that was sound and uh, if you're there to, to be cheering you on and kinda on that note, what are what are the goals for the future, you know? Um this this breakthrough season as we mentioned was be giving you a lot of not high expectations but confidence, you know, now leading into the next next few seasons. Obviously you're still still a really young and uh you know, learning athlete uh, each time you go out uh, and race, you know, you're you're all you're still always learning and, and getting new experience, you know, on a national or international stage. So from as of right now, kind of what what what's the future looking like for you? So, you know, like you go away to European Championships and you see that's that's the whole experience. And I remember coming home, it was the same as, you know, three years ago when I got the first cap. It was, you know, this won't be the last one I make. So that whole process of, you know, you see a standard a year out, you train all winter, all year, you race, you get the standard, you go to the championships. That's something I want to just keep repeating, but, you know, to a higher level. So whether that's the European Senior Championships, World Championships or, you know, definitely like the long-term goal is the Olympics um, and you know I'd be lying if I didn't say that and if you ask anyone who was on that under 23 team in Tallinn they give you exactly the same answer um, so that's definitely the long-term goal um, but definitely once you get a taste of those championships once the first I came back and, and told my parents was you know I want to keep going back to these this won't be the last one I make um, and I'll do whatever I can to keep getting back to them so kind of overall it's just about staying fit and healthy and, and keeping it really consistent yeah like you can do whatever many flashy two or three weeks out of the year and it can look good on Strava and whatever but if you don't make it to summertime there's no point so if you need to take a day off here and there and rest and cut back the mileage or miss a session or whatever as long as you're not injured and you're not missing a week two weeks three weeks four weeks you're fine so that's something that you know I tried to work on this year with Matt was just getting to the start line and it'll work this year so we kind of have a template that that we think will work for next year definitely so if it's not broken don't fix it and kind of you know fingers crossed we'll be seeing you in a few more under 23 europeans you know senior europeans and uh, the europeans this year hopefully up in up in abbottstown where um you know we'll, we'll definitely be cheering you on and then fingers crossed we could be seeing you in paris in 2024 Hopefully, fingers crossed. That's it, that's it. So, uh, no, Finny, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and have a little chat. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed coming on. Thanks very much for having me. No problem at all. And, uh, no, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing you again on the podcast when um, a few more big, big events uh, pop up for you, I'm, I'm sure of it. So, uh, yeah, hope, uh, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, no, hopefully after go and do a few more things now so we've got more stuff to talk about. That's it, that's it. And uh, also for anyone watching or listening at home, I really do appreciate it and I'll see you all next time. Bye.